Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hey, we're, we're going to finish up a sermon series today. We're going to launch into a new one. And we've been talking about unstoppable joy. You know, there are a lot of people that don't feel like we can have a continual joy in life, that we can't experience that, that that's, that's just a fantasy, that that's not something that we really can experience in our own life. I, I, I want us to understand today that God does want that for you, that as we've looked in the book of Philippians, Paul is chained to a guard in jail. He's experienced all kind of of discomforts, suffering. He's gone through a, a, a past that he's not proud of. And yet in the midst of all that, he's got this, he's got this unstoppable joy. You know, one of the things we learned in the first week is that, and one of the things God's really been teaching me is that unstoppable joy, continual joy is possible in our lives at all times. And it's a, it's a spiritual habit. It's a discipline that we can foster you see, the spiritual habits in our lives of, of, that draw us closer and help us understand and know who Jesus is, and the spiritual habits in our life that connect us with a band of brothers or a band of sisters will lead us to an unstoppable joy. That's what we learned in the first week. And last week, we learned that what we focus on, what we focus on helps us or hurts us. You see, joy begins with our focus before it becomes a feeling. And so often, what do we chase? We chase the feeling. We're not feeling it. And so we're chasing something over here. We're chasing something over here. Maybe it's through a career. Maybe it's through a relationship. Maybe it's through finances. Maybe, maybe it's through some kind of experiences or a lifestyle, whatever it might be. And there's this certain thing, if we get it, and that leads to this right feeling, then we're going to just, we're going to be on cloud nine. We're going to have this joy. And we're hoping to find it in a bottle. One of those things are going to lead to that unstoppable joy that we've been hoping for, that deep down assurance that everything is okay, that, that, that we're good, that, that there's this, this understanding that we're standing on a rock. But I want you to understand to have joy, we have to replace fear with focus. See, the great teams, the great teams, they practice and they practice and they rehearse and they, they develop habits. Militaries do the same thing. Dur during the Gulf War, when, when, when the, the Iraqis were trying to keep the Allied forces out, they built these huge berms. And in these berms, they put mines, they put concertina wire, that's with sharp barbs on it to keep personnel out. And then they put a moat on the other side filled with oil. They were going to light on fire. And then they covered all that with weapons fire. You can imagine how formidable that obstacle was and how that could create like just this fear in those soldiers that were going to have to cross that no man's land to get over this boundary. And there was a lot of talk that the allies were just going to lose a tremendous amount of, of forces when they tried to cross that boundary. So I, I thought back to my time as a soldier and thought, wow, how do you overcome the kind of fear knowing what you're going through. And you know what they did? I still remember. Over and over and over, they practiced breaching that obstacle. They, they just daily, they practiced how they were going to breach the obstacle until it became such a habit, so rehearsed in their mind, that their focus of breaching replaced their fear. If you 
want to have an unstoppable joy, you're going to have to focus on some truths. You're going to have to focus on some spiritual habits in your life. And as you begin to focus on those spiritual habits, guess what? It's going to replace the fear that you feel. And so many of us are stuck in fear. We're, we, we fear a sickness or a disease. We fear uh, maybe governments. We, we, we fear the, that a relationship might break up. We fear a diagnosis that might come our, our way. Whatever it might be, there's this fear. But I want you to know that, that Paul teaches us in this book that we can have a, if we'll have a focus, if we'll be focused on building our relationship with Jesus through these spiritual habits, we'll position ourselves to have unstoppable joy. Kind of the same way we can position ourselves to be the people that wear skinny jeans if we'll, if we'll eat right <laughs> and, and we'll exercise and we'll eat healthy and, 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 and we'll do the things that it takes like it'll just happen, right? Joy is kind of that way. When we do the things that build our relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to experience some great things. Now, I want us to look today, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Remember, he's in jail when he writes this letter. He's probably chained to a guard, all for sharing the gospel. It's not like he was out, you know, doing dumb stuff. He, he's out doing stuff for the Lord. And here he is. And when you get into the book of Philippians, it doesn't take you long to realize that Paul's a sports nut. <laughs> Paul loves sports. He uses metaphor after metaphor, running and wrestling and, and races and winning the crown. He goes on and on and on. And he talks about the discipline that it takes to win the crown. He also takes about the, the discipline it takes not to be disqualified from the race. And when he describes his whole life, guess what? What he says in, to, to Timothy, his protege, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He uses two metaphors, the first from boxing, the second from running. And Paul shows us that sports give us a great metaphor for how we can have unstoppable joy. So I, I kind of, I don't know who's seen my wife in here, but I wanted to tell her when I'm watching that third football game today, I just want you to know it's a really spiritual thing I'm trying to do here. <laughs> By the way, uh, speaking of football, February 13th, we're going to have football Sunday here. Craig Krenzel, who was the uh, championship quarterback from Ohio State in the day, will be here and we'll be interviewing him. Uh, we're just going to have a great time. There's going to be indoor tailgate. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be giving away prizes. We actually have... Uh, Tim Tebow is coming. He's not coming here, by the way. But he is going to Hobart Arena. We'll be giving some tickets away in the days ahead for that. And uh, as we promote this whole thing, but here's the deal. We've, we're going to be wearing our favorite jersey. We're going to have a great time. And we're going to use the metaphor of sports to share what God wants us to hear that day. And so, man, this is a day to invite people who are sports nuts. And you know them. You, you're probably one of those. And so if you're one of those, you know somebody who is. So, Put that on your calendar. Be ready. It's coming. So Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. By the way, if you have the, the app, uh, the second tile down, if you're in the, the Valley app, is our message notes. And all this is all there for you. All the passages, all the fill in the blanks, and then all the things that you heard uh, Daniel and Bethany and their family share on screen today. It's all there. You can get it all in one place. So hope you've downloaded the app. So here goes. Philippians chapter 3. 
He starts out, he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. That sounds a little braggy, doesn't it? <laughs> I got it going. Like, like, if anybody has a reason to say I've arrived, it's me. He, he goes on to say why, why he could feel this way. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. By the way, these are kind of pecking order, like this is the top, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. Like, I, 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 as far as religion, man, I'm at the top of the heap, okay? And the Pharisees are at the top of the heap of all the religious groups, and so I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. As for zeal persecuting the church, he went and killed Christians. So that's pretty zealous. So, so, so he's he says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. That last word probably says it all. Faultless. Paul at one time felt like religiously he had, it, he had it all figured out. And he was faultless in how he was living it out. He, he was in the right family. He was in the right religious group. He had done the right rituals. He had shown his his, his, uh, his valor and his, his love for the cause. He had done all those things. And so, so he said, that should be my ticket. That should be my ticket for righteousness, a right relationship with God, right? Yet look what Paul says as we go on. I want you to pay attention to this. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Let that sink in a minute. Whatever I thought was my reason to be right with God. Whatever I thought I could stand on, like that was firm for me, that was good. I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He not only just pushes them off, but he says, if I focus on those things, like they become garbage because it's the, it's the wrong things to trust in. He says, and, and if I'm to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And Paul has detailed his impressive resume, his, his pedigree, why he should be accepted by God. But he only mentions all those things to say just how little they mean next to a faith in God. So here's the question for all of us this morning. What are you standing on? What are you standing on? Is it your parents' faith? The fact that they follow God is it your relationship with someone? Is it your past spiritual victories? Maybe it was that church camp 20 years ago or, or that moment in service a while back. Maybe it's the fact that you were born into a, a, a nation like, like the, the United States. Maybe it's how you serve in the church or, or what you've done, how much you've given, the number of times you've been in a certain Bible study or gone to a Bible study. What are you standing on today? See, because Paul says, I'm not standing on any of those things anymore. I used to. And so the question is, is your hope in knowing Jesus, not your resume, but his?
Is that, is that where you're at today? Because Paul's saying, if my resume is essentially garbage, and I wrote 13 books in the Bible, he didn't say that, but I think if he wrote it now, he might. <laughs> so that's, that's not why I'm right with God. That's not my hope. And he points us to his true focus, the reason that he has an unsurpassed joy. Same thing you and I are looking for, right? He, he gives the reason for the joy that he has. He says, it's this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He goes on, he says, not that I've already obtained all this. Paul, the one who writes, some people say six to seven books, and he contributed to others up to 13. That's a lot. If anybody says, I've arrived, maybe he would have the ability to say that. And he says, I haven't arrived. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, I couldn't take that. I couldn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ unless he took hold of me first. It's not what we do. That's what he has done. And he pursues you. And then we respond. And he says, brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And then this is so important. I want us to see this. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, who, who can't, you can't suppress the goal in him. It just, it, it just, in, it, it just comes out in the midst of some pretty difficult times. How does he do it? I think it's this, Paul focuses on one thing. He focuses on one thing. In The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McCune, he shares that wisdom comes from wisdom, productivity, and most of all joy comes from eliminating the non-essential aspects of life. In other words, there's only one thing they're focused on. The question is, what are you focused on? You know, most of us are going in the opposite direction of that. We're adding things to our life, not taking away. We have multiple goals in life, hoping that they will fill our cup, like they will give us joy. And Paul has eliminated the pursuit of things that probably many of us are pursuing today. Status. Maybe it's earthly freedom. We, we, we want freedom here in this life. Maybe it's relationship or, or wealth. Maybe it's earning our salvation. Maybe it's, maybe it's not to suffer. There's a saying that goes this. It says, if you chase two rabbits, <laughs> you won't catch either one. You won't catch either one. Ever try to do so many things in the day that you just fail miserably? Your spouse is upset. The kids are neglected. You've started 10 things and you've finished none of them. You just feel like everything you're doing is a failure. We can do the same thing spiritually. What we can do is add God to our already crowded schedule, and like, like already crowded lives, and the goals that we have in life, and we can, we can like, that's one goal of 10, is to build my relationship with God. And, and, and when you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. That's not the path to joy. In fact, that, that, that kind of path, that kind of approach is going to lead to anxiety. And Paul says... But one thing I do, 
but one thing I do. And then he goes on to say, but I press on. I press on. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. I said, I haven't arrived. I haven't arrived and I'm pressing on. Pressing on really is an attitude. It's, it's a leaning forward. It's a resolve. And, and that's what he's saying. There's only one thing and I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm resolved to accomplish the goal. And it's really not accomplish, but to experience the goal. And Paul shows us that pressing on really is two things. Pressing on is really two things. One, it's forgetting what is behind. Verse 13. He doesn't, by the way, Paul's done a lot of, Paul's done some hard things in his life. He's killed people, all in the pursuit of trying to be right with God. He's done exactly what God didn't want him to do because he thought he was trying to reach God by pleasing him, by doing some things that weren't in his plan at all. And now he's got the weight of that on him. And then as Paul's been pursuing God, guess what? People are, people are trying to kill him. They're, they're hurting him. They're, they're coming against him. Their friends are betraying him. So, so he's got all that going on. And, and Paul says, I'm forgetting all that. Now, Paul's not like really forgetting it. Sometimes when we read that scripture, we read the scripture about God, that God forgets what we've done. It's not that he's some doddering old fool that just forgets it. No, God is perfect in his wisdom. He's pure. He's perfect. He doesn't forget in the sense that he doesn't remember but he forgets it in the sense that he does not hold it against us. He does not let it influence his decisions and how he treats us and how he feels about us in the future. And neither are you. See, you and I have to break the power of the past. Paul breaks the power of the past. You and I have to break the power of the past. Some of you messed up. Some of you have done some things that you knew better and you hurt others, you hurt yourself, and the weight of that, hard to forgive yourself, and you're there. Some of you have been mistreated by other people, and, and it's been really hard because you feel like that maybe defines you, how, how they're treating you, but you can break the power of the past. One of the people in, in scriptures that have been given to us is Joseph, one of my favorite. Joseph, as a young boy, is sold into slavery by his brothers. He's betrayed. And he's sent off in this caravan. He goes to Egypt. And long story, he's in, you know, he's in a jail. He's in Potiphar's household. It doesn't work out. And there's just a lot of dysfunction going on. He ends up, though, over time being second in command to Pharaoh of all of Egypt. And there's this terrible famine in the land where Joseph's brothers are living and his father. And so, so they come to Egypt to get some food. What an opportunity for Joseph to fix the wrongs, isn't it? But Joseph forgets the past. He doesn't treat his brothers the way they deserve to be treated. Instead, he forgives them. He releases them of what they've done, and he gives them food. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph ran the race that God had for him. He broke the power of the past. And in that, he was able to shower blessing on his family. 
He knew that he had been put there for such a time as that. He knew that God was going to use this bad thing that had happened for good. And he breaks the power of the past. And guess what? There's this unstoppable joy. If you read about Joseph, unstoppable joy that comes out of that experience, out of his life. And if you and I will break the power of the past, what's the bad things that have happened in our lives, what people have done, what we have done to ourselves and to others, when we will break the power of the past, we will have an unstoppable joy because we'll be living out our purpose, the purpose that God put us here for. Are you living out your purpose? Maybe you say, today I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. People have treated me badly, so that must be my value. God could never love me. God wouldn't want me. But you and I can choose to break the power of the past. And we say, you know what? God's word says I'm a masterpiece. And he declares truths about me. That I'm wonderfully made. And that God has a great plan for my life. When you feel dumped on, you can declare, you know what? I have everything I need in God alone. I, I want his gifts. But my joy doesn't come from the gifts. It comes from him. And it's not on what he can provide. When you're in pain, you can declare, I'm not abandoned because I, I feel this pain. God hasn't just left me because there's problems in my life. No, this isn't an interruption to life. This is how God is using me in this moment. Jesus loves me enough to prepare me for a great eternity. You know, God is, let me say this in this, in this moment. God has really been teaching me that suffering is part of this existence. And we so often in, in this world now, our focus is on, on being happy. Our focus is on, on experiencing good things. And suffering's really gotten a bad name. It's really gone south. But Paul says, join with me in suffering. <laughs> how, can he, how, how can he say that and be this like guy who's got this unstoppable joy? Don't those... What if in the suffering, God makes you more like him and reveals more of who he is and you begin to know him even more? What if he uses that for good in your life? What if that hardship isn't in an interruption to life, but it's his purpose in you in this moment? So often we want to protect ourselves, we want to protect the people we love, we want to protect our children, we want to protect all the world from all this pain and to the best of our ability we ought to stop pain in this world but there are some things that are going to happen in your life that are going to bring pain and if you don't receive that if you don't see that God is doing something good in that suffering you're going to throw it away and say I cannot have joy in this season when God wants to work through that in amazing ways God wants to use that. Don't throw that time away. Don't see it as an interruption to life because God's going to do some great things in that. Do you know the hardest part about breaking the power of the past? It's forgiving yourself because you knew better. You really did. And you hurt other people and you hurt yourself. And the accuser is always there pointing to your mistakes, pointing to your sin, the, the, how you've messed up, what you have done. 
And if you're going to break the power of the past, you're going to have to move with God on this thing. And if God is willing to forgive you, if Jesus is willing to forgive you, then you're going to have to forgive yourself. Because if you keep looking over your shoulder, you're going to lose. Roger, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile in the 1950s. I think it was 56, somewhere in there. Before then, the four-minute mile had never been broken. Like, there was this barrier, right? But he broke it. Once he broke it, other runners started to break it. Well, a few months after he broke the sub-four-minute mile, and I ran the mile in high school, and I, I was nowhere close. <laughs> it's still a barrier, just so you know, for some of us. But he broke this sub-four-minute mile, and there's this runner named Landy who had broken it. And so they're in a race, and it's neck and neck. They're both running a sub-four-minute race, and they get right to the end of the race. And there's this photo that captures the finish. Landy is looking off to his left over his shoulder. He's looking back. And as he does that, Bannister surges ahead just in that moment, and he wins the race. Landy had it run. He had it won. But he looked over his shoulder. He looked back. I think it's a, Paul meta, a metaphor Paul would use today, that when you and I look back, we're going to lose. We're going to lose in this life. And if you've repented of your sin, if you've asked for forgiveness, then let him restore you. And don't, don't keep yourself in the place that the accuser wants to keep you. You've got to break the power of the past. If somebody's hurt you, like Joseph's brothers, and you've been betrayed, you have to break the power of the past and realize that God is going to use it for good. And when you begin to realize that these difficult things that happen in your life, God's going to use for good, and he's going to reveal more of himself, and you're going to draw closer to him if you see it correctly, now good can come from that very hard time. And I'll just tell you what, joy can come from that. Joy, an unstoppable joy can come from knowing that this is an interruption to life, but this is what God wants to do in this moment in time, and it's not going to be wasted. On the flip side, we can't live on yesterday's victories, can we? <laughs> so some of us, maybe we made a spiritual step 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, or five years ago, and we, we, we went to this church camp, or, or whatever it might have been. I want you to know that we can't coast. We can't just well, that happened, and, and now I'm on a course. No, Paul says we can't look back, but we can't live on yesterday's victories. When the Israelites were in, in the desert, and they were, they were waiting 40 years to cross into the promised land, God gave them manna through that time. You know what was fascinating about that is that manna was their sustenance. That's how they, everything they needed. It was their daily bread, right? It was what they needed for life. And yet, there was only one day's supply ever. They would go pick up the day's supply, and if they tried to pick up two, what happened? They'd find maggots. It'd be rotten. It, was, it would not keep. It's the same with you and I. Spiritually, what you did yesterday was a great step toward God, but it won't keep. And so, if we want to experience an unstoppable joy, are, are we standing still? Are, are we moving toward God? Because see, that just really lies into what Paul says. Forgetting what is past, but straining toward what is ahead. And if you aren't straining toward what is ahead, if you aren't, if you aren't trying to grow in Jesus Christ, in your relationship with Jesus, if you aren't straining into that, that's an attitude. 
it's a, it's a focus. Ever watch the, the Olympics and those 100-yard dash guys, man, girls, gals, whatever? Man, from the minute they're in the blocks through the race, they're leaning forward. Every, I mean, you can see the muscles straining, muscles you don't have, but you can see it in them. They, they're straining and everything they are until they burst through. It is just one continual lean into the finish line. That's the spiritual race. That's what Paul's talking about. And if you've only started your spiritual race, maybe it was when you were a child and, and, and maybe a parent baptized you or, or maybe you went to a church camp or, or maybe you went and you had a moment with God and you accepted Jesus and you started the journey for him, but then you got caught up into all these other goals, all these other things. If you're not straining toward what is ahead, you're not going to experience the joy that Paul's talking about here. Paul is stressing an attitude in our life that says, I'm, I'm never done in knowing who Jesus is, and that is the goal of my life. Are you straining to know Jesus? Are you straining to build your relationship with him? Are you straining to know who he is, but not just know who he is, but to, to know him and have a personal relationship with him? There's one thing Paul says. I said, I do one thing, forgetting what is in the past and straining toward what is ahead. And then he outlines what that one thing is that he's focused on. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. See, I need to understand today, the goal of this journey that Paul's on, it wasn't getting out of jail. That wasn't his goal. It probably was a goal, but it wasn't the goal. He probably wanted to live a long, happy life. He probably wanted to hang out with his friends. He, he wanted to do all these things. He wanted to build the church. That was, but that wasn't his overriding goal. And sometimes our goal, we make our goal to go to heaven. That's a great goal. That's in the Bible, by the way. And to see the streets of gold, that's a great goal. That's not the number one goal that Paul had. Sometimes our goal is to avoid pain and suffering. That, that's a good goal. But is, that's not the best goal. And if we make that the goal of our life, we're going to miss what God wants to do in us. See, our goal isn't just healing. It's not freedom here in this earth from all the things that we feel like we ought to be free to do. And No, it's not miracles as good as they are. That's not our goal. Our goal is knowing Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with him. And I can get as caught up as anybody to think, I can't wait for the streets of gold in heaven. No more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. I'm in. That sounds good. And my goal can be, you know what, I just want some freedom. Like I feel a little constricted on this issue or that issue. And why is the country going the way it is? And why is this happening? And I can really get caught up in all that stuff. And I can get caught up in how I feel and how other people are treating me and all those other things. And, and yet, 
Paul says that I, I press on. For one thing, I don't look back. I strain, I strain toward the prize, the one goal. And that one goal isn't all those other things that you and I sometimes like really focus in on. No, the one goal is to know Jesus. It's to have a relationship with him. There was a guy that went to a bunch of pastors and he was just trying to understand how are they growing their churches? What are they, what, what's happening in this church? How are they doing things? And so he's, he's just interviewing them, going there, asking a bunch of questions. And he gets to this guy named Bill Bright. Bill Bright's Campus Crusade for Christ. He, he's, he started that organization on campuses. And, and he's just in there and he's asking them all these questions. And he finally gets this, he gets to the part in the interview, he says, what does Jesus mean to you? And Bill Bright just looks at him, and he just starts to weep. He can't answer the question. And his weeping is the answer to the question. See, it meant everything to him. This, this relationship, and, and this interviewer, as he looked at Bill Bright weep, he thought, what would it be like to love Jesus and know him that much? That's, that's what Paul's saying today. Until we get to the place where we know Jesus and we have this intimate personal relationship with him, that we care to know him and not just the things that he can give us, not just that he clears the path and gives us all those things that the world says we ought to have, even good things. If we're willing to set those things aside, if we're willing to endure some suffering, if we're willing to go through some difficult times, if we're willing to release other people who have hurt us and damaged us and, and let go of the power of the past, if we're willing to do those kind of things, if we'll start those spiritual habits that will allow us to meet Jesus and to get to know him better, maybe it's a journey study, maybe it's doing a, a life group with others, other believers that are like they're straining forward. The best thing you can do is get into a group that's straining forward toward Jesus. It will move your spirit that's what he calls us to do. That's what Paul did. And when you get to know Jesus that way, there isn't a joy you won't have. There isn't a moment, even in the difficult times, you won't have this inexpressible, unstoppable joy. Because see, I think what Paul's saying here is that the goal of your life is what will give meaning to your journey. And if your goal is healing, if your goal is freedom, if your goal is not to have suffering, when those things fail, and they will, when you're standing on those things, they cannot hold the weight, and you're going to crash through. And guess what? That's the opposite of joy. When the very thing, the rock you stood on goes from under your feet, you're going to lack joy. But when you stand on that relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing him, when you have that, like when all these things happen, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying that we should ask for those things. But I'm saying when we go through those things, it's all good if it helps me come to know Jesus Christ. That's the focus of my life. So here's the question for us in this series. What's the goal of your life? What is the goal of your life? Is it healing? Is it relationship? 
Is it a job? Is it the streets of gold, as good as all those are? Or is it knowing who Jesus really is? I want to pray with us, so I'd just like you to bow your heads. And, and I, just, I just sense today that there are people here today who've never, never run the race with Jesus. And, and, and you're here today, and, and you, you've got some things going wrong. And all you can focus in on, the, in on are the hopes that you have and the hurts in the past. And, and, and I would just ask you today, if God is pursuing you, and he is, because <laughs> it says first he gets hold of us, and only then do we get hold of him. So this morning, if he's knocking at the door, if he's pursuing you today, if you hear the knocking at the door, if if you're strangely warmed and drawn to him and you're convicted about the life that you're living and he's drawing you to him, would you say yes to him this morning? Would you just walk to him? Would you begin to follow him? Would you allow him in your life? Would you say, I, wanna, I want you to forgive me. Forgive me of those things I have a hard time forgiving myself of. And would you make me new? And Jesus, I want to begin to walk with you. I'm going to turn from my my way of life, and I can't do that on my own. I need your power. Would you come in, and would you begin to lead me and forgive me and remake me? If you're here this morning, and you've, you've suffered a lot of pain at the hands of other people, and you just keep looking over your shoulder thinking, that was so unfair. That was so hard. But you've let it define you. It's going to steal your joy. I want you to know this morning with the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you can say, I want to I want to forget what's in the past. It's not that it's gonna leave my mind, but Jesus, would you would you help me in the midst of this moment? Would you help me to treat those people in ways far better than they've treated me? Would you would you help me, Lord, to be like Joseph and 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 to would you use me in their life? What a joy to live out my purpose in the midst of pain. Would you do that for me? For those who've so messed up, you didn't kill Christians, but you killed people in your mind. Or you did things that you shouldn't have done and you've hurt other people. And you were a follower, you knew better. Would you just come to Jesus this morning? Would you ask him to forgive you? Would you strain toward what God has for you? Maybe you're in this journey, but you know, you've just sort of been floating along and instead of straining forward, you've like, got caught up into all these other things. And you wonder why the joy just keeps washing away. Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us again in a new way? And would you draw our hearts to you? And would you help us to begin to strain toward you that we might know you and the power that you bring our lives? And we just ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, I want you to just remain seated. We're going to sing a song. It's called Run to the Father. Did you know that when you know the Father, you know Jesus? You know the Son. And when you know the Son, you know the Father. And it is through Jesus that we know the Father, that we run to the Father. This morning, would you just put all those other goals behind you? And would you forget what is behind you? And would you strain toward Jesus Christ, toward knowing him. Would you make that your one 
goal in life, everything building to that. And then would you experience the unstoppable joy no matter what happens, no matter what comes, that you're on the rock and it can hold the weight of the life that God wants for you. Let's sing. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share with a friend, because changed lives change lives.